The Once and Future Nerd depends on listeners like you for funding and for spreading the word. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, and if you are able, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash onceandfuturenerd. You shall be rewarded. The Once and Future Nerd Book 2 Myth Made Flesh Chapter 2 What Used to Be Enough Part 3 by Christian T. Kelly Madeira and Gregory M. Schultz Daylight had just begun to depart the White Forest and Yilloween had returned to his chambers to gather supplies. Though, as these things often go, his heavy heart had weighed down his feet. Some grew impatient at this. Yilloween, are you almost ready? Yes, sire, just a few more minutes. Oh, for the love of all that is... No, 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 no. you told yourself you wouldn't get worked up. It's not worth it. <sighs> My child, we've gotten you something to aid in your task. You have... Sir, what... What is this? They're messenger pigeons, child. We'll make it very easy indeed for you to stay in contact with us. Simply attach a message to one every three hours and it will return to us. Then we'll send it right back to you. But... I have no experience training birds. Well, you remember your old friend Devar, don't you? Then entered a male elf near to Yellowin's age. Yellowin! My old dear friend! Good graces, how long has it been? Hello, Davard. Oh, we know each other better than that. Call me Dave. Very well, Dave. It has been many, many, many years. And what a cruel accident that has been. Yes, an accident. (gasps) And don't you worry your head about the birds. I'll take care of them. (whistles) See, all taken care of. Oh, I'm ever so excited we're going to be taken to the road together. We'll give us a chance to catch up. You'll be ready to go in just a moment, won't you, Yellowween? Yes, it won't be much longer now. Well then, I shall await you in the foyer, old friend. (sighs) Yellowin sat on his bed and buried his head in his hands. Oh, what new doom is this? Yellowdick? Well, there my baby sibling is in the flesh. What are you doing out there? Well, I was trying to come in here and hide from Davard. Thought he'd come to propose to me for the umpteenth time. But clearly it's you who has the news to share. I'm not sure I'd call it news exactly. Did you bring your Mimiot back again? Is that what's got our parents in a tizzy? Are the Mimiot here? Can I see them? No, sibling, but it seems I'll be returning to them very soon. You do look troubled, if I might say. In truth, tis been an eventful week. I left here on quite bad terms with our parents, rode into more than a few battles, was welcomed back with open arms only to then be rushed back out the door. 
I came here hoping to gather my thoughts, and now they are more jumbled than ever. I know that feeling. You know what's good for that? <laughs> and so did the pair sneak out of Yellowin's window and into Yellowdick's chambers to partake in that kindest of herbs, cannib root, grown in the white forest no less, so you know it was that good good. But why the pigeons? <laughs> they want me to stay in touch. I need to send a bird back every three hours. Well, good thing you have Dave to keep you company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he really is the worst. I can't believe our parents looked well upon his marriage proposal. Add it to the list of my failures in their eyes. Speaking of which, they wanted me to leave hours ago. You're like to incur their wrath by sheltering me here. Well, I get blamed for all of your bad decisions, no matter what. Might as well try to be a good sibling. Need another hit? <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <sighs> I don't know what they have against this stuff. It's given us from the earth and makes everything so pleasant. They don't like it because it lets you see through their lies. But at this, some of the euphoria on Yellowin's face was replaced with a tinge of worry. What do you mean? What lies? Just like the whole system. You picking up what I'm putting down, baby bruh? No, but I really wish I were. It's like, wouldn't you rather be a sparrow than a snail? I suppose so. Rather be a hammer than a nail? I don't know what in Galadin's name that means. Balefil explains it so much better than I can. You should talk to him. That's your... Paramore? Mm-hmm. Still? That hard to believe? It is hard to keep track. You're still an ass, Babra. <laughs> <laughs> but the worry had not left Yellowin's face. He looked to his sister, searching for some opening to vocalize his concerns. This effort was undercut by Yulidik's attempts to pour honey into her mouth directly from the jar. <laughs> Sibling... What do you know of orcs? <clears throat> the Yurkit? Oh, very little, poor wretches. Why do you ask? I'm curious of late as to what separates them from the Memian. Well, mostly the Black Mountains, I suppose. I can't tell if you are joking. Well, here's what I can say for sure. As you know, I'm something of a connoisseur of Memian songs. So you said. It turns out... The oldest songs of the Memiat in the Far West aren't terribly different from the Yurkit songs. That implies a shared culture at some time past, or at very least that they once broke bread together. How do you know what orc songs are like? Balafil has traveled over the mountains. You forget that he was Kaltir to Einhertz before that all went to Selbrin. Ah, <sighs> he's so worldly. He learned a few songs and brought them back to me. But now, I'm not, I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but 
Well, I think the fall from man to orc is less of a sheer cliff, more of a gentle slope. But the skin and the eyes, surely that's a stark contrast. Is a brown horse truly that different from a white one? Our parents liken the divide to the one between a lapdog and a rabid wolf. Lapdog is a tale in choice of words. I'm sure that's a comforting thought for them. Must ease their sleep. What do you mean, ease their sleep? Has it ever occurred to you that there is far more of humankind living under this one roof than there are members of this family? I suppose I hadn't considered that. In the very room where we ate, there is one entrance for us and three for our servants. If they were barely removed from savage beasts, wouldn't we all be in terrible danger? Then does that same thought not disturb your sleep? Oh, the men yet like me. I talk to them about music. You see, I always try to put positive energy out into the world and trust it'll return to me. But Yellowin in that moment looked the picture of anything but positive energy. What's the matter? Are you freaking out? Oh, here, grab hold of this quilt. Let it be your constant. Eloine, this is getting absurd, child. I think you better go. I can only shield you so much. Yes, I... Thank you. We must talk again soon. Perhaps I would like to speak to your Balofil. That can be arranged. Here, take some route for the road. Oh, and if Tevad asks, I'm not at home. Of course. And then Yelodic proceeded to hide herself under her bed. Come in. At the camp near Freehold, Billy, Jen and Nelson were taking their evening meal. They'd grown accustomed to doing this in the company of their full party, but... Well, I'll leave it to Billy to remind you of the situation. So this all went to shit quick, huh? Should we be jumping on this? You know, to do something? Mm, like what? I don't know. I mean... I know we talked about hanging around until the elders or whatever and until Nia could do some research, but who knows when that's happening now, or if. Maybe we should try to move the timetable up. <clears throat> uh, I'm not going anywhere until this orc stuff gets dealt with. We help make this mess, we gotta clean it up. This isn't kindergarten, dude. You heard how they were talking, shit's about to get real. Shit's already real. Even realer then. I'm just saying, I don't think we all have to die just because you've got black-white guilt all of a sudden. No offense. Oh, I can't, can't see why that would offend me. Look, I'm not saying we peace out first chance we get, but I'm still on team keep our options open. We were always going to have Nia help us with research, right? So maybe we can do it sooner than we thought. That's all I'm saying. Okay, fine. We'll talk to Nia. But I'm staying until we fix this, and you should too. Be pretty fucked up the bell right now. You're not wrong. This just could get to a point where there's nothing we can do. No sense being a martyr just to prove a point. That is literally what a martyr means, but okay. So, um, who's going to talk to Nia? I will. Yeah, I should talk to her anyway. I haven't seen her since this morning. Anyone mind if I kill the stew? Now, at that moment, Nia had taken to the side of a small pond just far enough away from the freehold camp as to be quiet. There she knelt in silence with her hands clasped. Holiest Galadin, God of order and Lord of all lords, 
Watch over your children in this time of trial. Deliver us from chaos. Show us the path that should be and grant us the courage to walk it, now and at the moment of our deaths. Amen. Sir Brennan, I didn't see you there. Forgive me, Nia. I didn't mean to surprise you. It's all right. What brings you down here? Forgive me if this is an intrusion, but... I thought you being a woman of the cloth and all... We might pray together? Oh. Why, yes, of course. (laughs) When I was a girl, I aspired to lead the prayers at some small country chapel like my parents did. Feels like ages ago. Brennan knelt beside her. If you were a girl ages ago... (laughs) Oh, then I'm a relic. (laughs) They both traced circles around their hearts with their fingers. I... Well, we've already said the common prayer. Is there anything in particular you'd like to ask for, Sir Brennan? Is it sacrilege to wonder if it makes any difference what we ask for? I certainly hope not. In my experience, it's a coin toss. But the primary reason to pray is to listen for the voice of Galadin. On very good days, we may hear him. Then that is what I wish, to hear the voice of Galadin. Yes, of course. Nia bowed her head again, but took a moment to collect her thoughts this time. Lord Galadin, we beg of you... uh, guidance. to, To know injustice when we see it, and lies when we hear them. This we pray. Is there another prayer you might say? I couldn't promise it would do anything the first two didn't. Nothing in any of the books you read. That is not why my order reads books. Oh, I thought it was to bring wisdom. Yes, but wisdom is no simple thing, and the path to it is ever-winding. Or you're just walking in circles, patting yourselves on the back the whole way. Sir Brennan, whatever the truth is of what we're being asked to face, it is not the fault of me or of my order. I don't know the scripture as you do, but does it not say that we're all but swords of Galadon and faith is the fire that forges the sword? Yes. Then why does everyone of your ilk do all in their power to smother the fire? Reading heretics and infidels and chaos worshippers and Galadon knows what else. We do not smother the fire, Sir Brennan. We quench the sword. I don't know arms as you do. But what happens when you take a sword straight out of the forge fire and set to fighting with it? That's not... The Order of the Quill teaches that learning and reason are the water, without which the sword of the faithful may be bent to crooked purpose. Is that what you think, then? That I'm bent to crooked purpose? That remains to be seen. Just answer me one thing, then. When you sit there praying, when's the last time you heard anything? I hear something every time I pray. Aye. Is that so? Yes. It just... It grows harder to make out what it is. When when I was young, I could hear him as clearly as my mother calling me in for supper. Now it's as if I'm trying to understand something shouted across a city square. And... If you see that as a condemnation of how I keep my faith, I suppose I have no way to prove you wrong. But it is still the best way I know, and I'll not apologize for it. 
Nor should you, I suppose, if that is your conviction. I will, however, apologize if I've been less useful to you as a religious advisor than I ought to have been, especially in this moment. You've seen more tragedy than you deserve. A crisis of faith would not be unheard of. My faith hasn't waned. I think that's the problem. We've just grown angrier the more Galadin has failed this world. I prayed after my father died. I prayed after Prince Unther died. I prayed after Queen Dagmar died. When King Gunther died, I stopped. I fear that if I tried now, I'd only have a curse on my tongue. It's often those we love the most who make us the angriest. Now that is wisdom. You're right that this isn't your fault. You've been to us wise and good counsel. It is not fair to expect you to have every answer. True. Though I fear we are all soon to be asked more than is fair. I think I must... walk some more. Brennan Rose. Come find me again if you wish. I imagine I'll be here a while longer. And Sir Brennan, I hope you find what you are seeking. And you, Nia. You'll make at least as good a priest as I have a knight. A staggering compliment. If our paths must diverge, be sure to say farewell. Mm. And then he was gone. In the south of Jordan, Arden and Maguire had reached the crest of a small rise. Maguire took the opportunity to look behind them for signs of being followed. I think we actually lost the wretch. Would you help me pitch this tent, Arden? Mm. Wait, that... Well, there goes the first stake. On second thought, I'll handle the tent. You can chop the firewood. Are you sure McConnor's shield is this far inland? I think we would be safer going along the coast. Shield is way. Ich ist sure. I am sure is the expression. Ah, you are getting much better. A few days ago, you'd fly into a rage just at hearing the commons. Slave tongue. Look, I don't like how the war turned out any more than you do, but if we're going to keep fighting, we need to stay clear-eyed about where we stand. And everyone today speaks the common. Mans! Men, Arden. More than one man is men. Mans! No, that's when someone bleeds out of the- That was when Maguire looked up and saw where Arden was pointing. Emerging from a wood below were two figures shambling towards the rise in a hurry. As they grew closer, it became clear they were shackled, but trying to run as fast as they could. Sorry-looking bastards. This is why we should have stuck to the coast. Let me get presentable. Maguire looked around in search of something to cover his more decayed bits. That was when two elvish riders emerged from the wood in apparent pursuit of the shackled figures. Invaders! Oh, Matron, help me. Arden, let's take a moment to... But Arden was already sprinting down the hill with hammer raised high, and Maguire had no choice but to stroll down after him. Uh, Feck. As the elvish riders closed to within 50 yards of their quarry, they raised their repeating crossbows, and then a strange sound filled their keen elvish ears. 
What in Selberon? Halt or you'll be shot! Both riders loosed bolts at Arden, but his gargantuan frame was more nimble than it had any right to be. Repass! With one swing of his hammer, Arden nearly beheaded one of the horses. It fell, pinning its rider beneath its lifeless flank. The other rider reacted quickly and shot a bolt at Arden, who rolled out of the way with cat-like grace, dodging towards the elf. Attempting to break away, the rider spurred her steed into a mad gallop. Yeah. Arden ready to strike for the rider as she passed, but was struck in the shoulder from a bolt by the Pindelf, whom you might recall was called Sergeant Samin. Eclub! Arden, barely distracted by the new wound, strode towards Samin, who shot once more, but Arden knocked the dart away with the shaft of his hammer. Before the elf could shoot again, Arden brought his hammer down on the crossbow, splintering it, along with its wielder's hand. Then Arden turned his attention back to the other rider, who had turned and was lining up for another shot. But this one was struck by a javelin from an unseen source. It did not pierce her moon-silver armor, but did stun her out of her chance at Arden, and Arden made the most of his opportunity. Arden returned to the pinned and lamed sergeant. Have you any idea what you're doing, you damned fool? Ja. Arden raised his hammer high. You put men in chains. Men don't wear chains. Those aren't men. They're... You shut up now. Arden now turned to the two he had seemingly just liberated. So astonished were they by what they had just seen that it only now occurred to them to be frightened of the giant, violent man walking towards them. They tried to back away but quickly tripped over their shackles. Arden towered over them. Their faces were painted in smeared grey and their pupils were a deep red. They raised their hands in abject surrender. Are you friends to the motherland or to the invaders who ravage her? They looked at each other. That'll do you no good, Arden. These two actually don't speak the common. And come here, let me break off that dart. We'll have to wait till we've built a fire to pull the head out. It was cut shoot, Maguire. What do you mean, no speak common? Throw. You mean to say that was a good throw? And these new friends? At this, Maguire bowed to the two terrified persons on the ground before him. But in doing so, he accidentally revealed the decaying body beneath his cloak. The men recoiled. Ah, yes. <clears throat> You'll have to pardon my condition. I promise you'll get used to it. You see, Arden, these two are from the west of the Black Mountains. This land split in a way since you've been a slumber. When I told you the elves ruled and everyone spoke the common, that's true this side of the mountains. On the other side, though, well, the elves can still do what they want to whom they want, but the old ways are not quite so dead and gone. Men don't wear chains! Arden lifted his hammer high. The duo was paralysed by fear until... Arden brought his hammer down on their chains. But though the force was tremendous, the chains did not break. Arden hit the chain again and again as the two men sat mere inches from the swings, frightfully aware that the wrong move could land them below the head of the great weapon. That'll never do, Arden. The elves' metal working is a fearsome thing. I've an idea, though. 
Maguire went to the corpse of one of the fallen elves and rummaged through his saddlebag. Ah, here, try this. Maguire tossed Arden a key. Arden looked at the device, looked at the chains, then began pummeling the chain with the key. No, 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 you'll break the key, stop. Give it here. Maguire took the key from Arden and unlocked the chains. Ah, El Sorcery. Maguire addressed the two prisoners and pointed towards where the black mountains jutted over the horizon. Gerst to Esther, do? They nodded. Well, so are we as it happens. Why don't we travel together for a spell? Tell me, have you ever heard of McConnor's shield? The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Class and Christian T. Kelly Madeira and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Alex Story and Ryan Cushman are associate producers. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel Garrett Arman Dan Dobransky Anya Gibeon Ian Harkins Paul Notice Juliet Prather Frank Quares Julie Reed Gregory M. Schultz Production audio recording by Jared Paul, with second unit recording this chapter by Zach Valenti. Editing by Josh Perot. Post-production mixing and sound design by Garrett Schultz. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Reddit. Reddit.